subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, how's your Thursday treating you thus far, man? Well, it's about an hour old. So far, so good. You got a coffee in or two? How many? We... I do have coffee. I okay. do have coffee. Yes. Good. So, uh, all systems go. Well, the guys were off yesterday, and Tommy and I were kind of joking around this morning what our day in the day off looks like. I can't ever sleep in on my days off. What What is a day off in the life of Chuck Barrett look like? Well, I can't sleep in either, but uh, I can get lost, and um, I can disappear for a day. No, if I have a true day off, I mean a true day off, um, you're going to have a hard time getting a hold of me. But, uh, I mean, I know you can, and you'll know I'm looking at your number. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to answer. Yeah. So, you know, that's a true day off. But um, in the modern world, it's hard to have that. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Just with the technology, these players with iPads. And we were, you were talking about Johnny Manziel, and they logged the, the minutes you're actually looking at video away zero from the facility. Point zero. Yeah, you're, you're, you're zero. Kind never... of tells you why he's doing what he's doing now and mm-hmm. not playing football. Yeah. yeah. So I, know, I don't that know. Stuff will, uh, that stuff will carry you for a while, but not forever. It goes on that unwritten resume that follows you that you didn't write the resume. Your, your former coaches wrote it for you when they ask around about you. <laughs> That's on uh, your resume. Yeah, he um, – man, what a great college football player. Um, Sandlot All-American. Maybe the greatest Sandlot football player to actually play organized football. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a belittling way. Um, I'll never forget the play where – I mean, he's running in circles. And our guys are chasing him. And, I mean, it looks like the Keystone Cops out there. And I'll never forget that play. That, to me, was the defining play of that season. Uh, but, you know, um, you can't do that at the NFL level because everybody out there is a great Sandlot player, too. I love when uh, in 2013, Dietrich Wise just grabs him by the shoulder pads and just yanks him to the ground and does the shimmy after the sack. That was one of the – and I know Arkansas lost that game. I think it was 45-33, but that was one of the one of my favorite plays watching freshman year. It's just Johnny Manziel going down. The entire stadium erupted because there were, there's not many more players that have stepped into Donald W. that you had more of a disdain for than Johnny football. Here's the thing, though. You were talking a little bit earlier about A&M and their conference improvement, and we mentioned that the other day when we were talking about the teams that have switched and actually improved their records. A&M's benefited more than any team out there mm-hmm. from conference realignment. But without Johnny Manziel, we're not saying that. You know, it was the Johnny Manziel era that put them on the map nationally. That coincided with the time that they came into our league, and it couldn't have been better. I mean, when A&M beat Alabama, when Johnny Football beat Alabama, you know, a star was born. And Texas A&M took giant steps that day. 
as a football program. Now, I'm not sure that they're really as good as a lot of the national people have proclaimed them to be the last couple of years, <laughs> but they're still good. I mean, I'm not going to laugh because, I mean, it isn't like we've owned them. So uh, I'm not going to say anything bad about what they've done. But what I will say is that without Johnny Football providing all that impetus, I don't know that their record right now as an SEC member would be what it is. No, you're right. They did wind up, Chuck, we haven't gotten a chance to ask you about the, the coaches poll that came out after our show on Monday. They wound up ranked. There were some other, like Oklahoma wound up ranked. Arkansas not on that list. What were your initial thoughts when you saw the coaches poll top 25? Well, my initial thought was, hey, the coaches poll's out. And <laughs> I've not looked at it. I mean, I haven't looked at it. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who's ranked where, and I don't care. I didn't expect Arkansas to be ranked. They were 6-6 six and, six and six last year, 7-6 and six after the bowl game. They're not going to be ranked. I didn't expect that. Um, and in terms of the SEC teams, um, you know, I'm not going to pronounce Alabama dead. Um, I think they're, you know, I think they're right there. I think Georgia's right there. LSU, there, you know, there's, there's, you know, there, there's. I, what, what was LSU fifth, third? I think Bama, I saw that. No. Bama was fifth. No, you got that Did backwards. I switch it. Yeah, yeah. Bama was third. LSU was fifth. My bad. Tennessee was tenth. I looked at it enough. Oh, now I can't believe anything you say. <laughs> oh my gosh, Chuck. Uh, well, what I'm, what I'm, what, what is I'm the saying, truth around here? What I'm saying is, is LSU might have been ranked a little bit higher than some people thought they should have been. Okay, but yeah, I got no problem with it. Well, to your point about Arkansas, Tommy, Chuck, or Oklahoma finished six and seven last year, and yet they find themselves there. But it's the the Oklahoma brand name that that gets them on that list. And I know Venable, there's an expectation they'll be better this year, but that's why Oklahoma's up there because of well, that sure. name. And, and look, that happens every year. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be brand names that are there. Same in basketball, same in baseball, same in any sport where you have a pole. Mm -hmm. uh, because most of these, you know, there's so many unknown commodities out there. Yeah. And most of the guys who are voting on it, frankly, um, don't know a whole lot sometimes about who they're voting for. So, Tom Murphy will be with us in the next hour. He, to my knowledge, he still votes in the AP poll. I, think I he does. I wonder what kind of cues those voters, or if he does, do, do they pay much attention? Do they do they use that as a guiding a guiding post for their ballots uh, in their first ones? It hasn't come out yet. I just wonder how much they lean on the coaches' initial That's poll for their AP poll. Well, they probably do. And well, a they consensus may not admit it, builds. But, yeah. A consensus builds during the offseason anyway. Mm -hmm. The media media days feed the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll feeds the media poll. It's preseason hype. I mean, everything feeds off one another. My guess is, and I suspect this is true, many, most of these AP voters take it very seriously. They do try to do their research. They do view it as an honor uh and and see themselves i'm sure in some cases as a you know a small custodian of the game i think they do take it seriously but also know the rigors of covering a team during a season take over and i do think as seasons wear on guys i gotta tell you and i'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you there are things during the football season that i have to do on sunday i'm always fired up about that in september I'm going to tell you, middle of November, I'm not fired up about it anymore. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it becomes a job at that point. And I think that that probably happens for some of the voters, too. But I think the preseason poll is just the culmination of consensus. Uh, both 
the coaches and the media, media days, fans, talk radio, TV. I think it all helps build a consensus, and I think that's how people vote. And sometimes they're right. They're safe bets. Sometimes they're wrong because yeah. some of those bets aren't safe. Yeah. I, know, I know that was a, a conversation held on, on Paul Feinbaum this week with his audience being that there is, I think, six SEC teams that are in that top 25. He had Greg Sankey on this week, and there's plenty of things. That they, they had him on for, I think, three segments. And Commissioner Sankey dove off into a bunch of different topics. And one of the ones that he kind of honed in on was the college football playoff in the current setup. So if you remember, when it moves to 12 starting next year, the sixth highest rated conference champions get auto bids, and then the rest of the six remain will get a bid as well the four highest conference championship get a bye to the quarterfinals yeah i don't think most people really understand the format of the 12 team playoff you know they're for the 12 team playoff they know 12 teams are in it yep uh but they assume that the 12 best teams are going to get in it and that's not necessarily true you know there are 10 fbs conferences that remain the pac-12 still technically alive they're on life support, and some others are too. Pac-12 may be able to cobble something together with the Mountain West teams. I don't know, but, but it'll, be, it'll rate, become nine. At any though, rate, at any rate, yeah. at any rate, um, whether they're nine or ten or whatever, um, you know, I don't think this should just be glossed over. The six highest-ranked conference champions get automatic bids. Six conference champions. Mm-hmm. Get automatic bids. We're moving toward the big two and a half is what we're moving toward. Then the field's going to be filled out with the six highest ranked teams that remain. But here's the rub, and here's what's got to happen, and here's what's got to change, and here's why the format's already obsolete. If Alabama and Georgia finish 1-2 in the poll this year, or that year, any year, they both have one loss. They're clearly the two best teams in the country. Georgia's the one seed. Alabama's the five seed. They don't get a first-round bye. A 9-3 and three or an 8-4 and four team out of one of these other conferences is going to get a first-round bye. Now, you know, we are going to enter a time where I suspect we are going to go many, many years between the time a national champion west of the Rockies wins the championship, and then another one follows. I can't tell you a team west of the central time zone that's going to win the national championship in football over the next 10 years. USC doesn't play a lick of defense, so you can get right by them. Um, They're not going to win the national championship. They're not going to win the Big Ten. Uh, They're not going to be in the football playoff as a result of moving, in my opinion. But the college football playoff format is already obsolete. And we're not there yet. That's what realignment's done. I mean, they're, yeah. they're going to have to blow it up. You're going to have to blow it up and start over. The only thing that remains is 12 teams. Now, I'm of the opinion that if you're going to have all these super conferences and you have two, three, two and a half, whatever you want to put it, if you're going to have a real playoff, you need to have the 12 best teams in the country play. Period. End of story. If you're trying to protect these lesser conferences with the idea that it preserves the game, the game's already been blown up. Game's already been blown up. Conference realignment's blown it up. Now the college football playoffs got to react because the way it's set up right now it will not work. Well, and, based and, on and, hey, real quick, Ty. 
Keep in mind, Bill Hancock is stepping down from that yep. role. It's a transition year, so you're going to have new leadership with the college football playoff. Now, I, you know, there's a board. There's a lot of people with hands in that pot, but there's there is a change with the leadership of the college football playoff structure. Yeah, that's Tommy. That was one of the things I was going to bring up, and I think to get to this point, they had to set it like it is based on if you read between the lines between some of the comments that Sankey made and and some of the other commissioners that was to get to the 12 team playoff they had to put in these uh right. these qualifiers but, but now now, now it's now. changed no yeah that's what i'm saying now it, it's changed at this point now i would disagree with you a little bit about usc with the 12 team i would probably say that's true to a 14 playoff but usc is going to be able to find itself with the recruiting with the money they're going to get into a 12 that's not playoff. really the point of what i was talking about that's a sidebar we can debate whether usc is going to win but the title later. Ha- what i'm saying is is that the format in its current structure cannot will not work right will not work you cannot have six conference champions get automatic bids into the college football playoff when only three or four of them are even halfway legit but you're gonna the the issue with that is, and I agree a hundred percent. You're going to have Greg Sankey and and the Big Ten commissioner, the newest Big Ten commissioner, whose name's escaping me. They're going to be pushing that. Those are two guys. No one else is going to push that. The other foot, the col- the other college. Mm, football, you're a hundred percent right. With that. No, I disagree. No, 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 no. I disagree. Uh, They're not going to have a leg to stand on, Ty. They had a leg to stand on last time. They don't have a leg to stand on now. All the teams are gone. The ACC, They've been consolidated. The ACC, They've been consolidated. The only the only one that's gone is the Pac-12 at this point. The ACC is still alive. The Big 12 is still alive. So, and I, I know that the the college well, football. I'm including play, the Big 12. I'm including the, in Big the two 12. and a half. Yeah, but I, I still think that though I, I still think that their commissioner um, is Brett Yormark or whatever. He is. I don't know if he's going to be convinced to again push it to that point i'm curious so what his comments would be see here's the thing about the big 12 they're adding a lot of teams but they're not really adding championship contenders that's fair they're really not they're just adding a bunch of teams i mean look i still keep up with gus malzahn and ucf but do you think they're going to come into the big 12 and uh, i mean these these schools that they're bringing in are are good programs Mm -hmm. but they're not I mean, they're not game changers. No. All they are is just teams. No, they're just I would a bunch of that. teams. I would agree with that. See, well, let's, I think there was holes in the current format as it was with the way you were going to put champions in those top four spots and give them home field advantage and a bye week and all of these other things, uh, you know, based on being a conference champion of a much lesser league. I, there was already problems with the format before this happened. Yeah. I agree with that, but Ty's right. That's what they had to do to get it done. Mm-hmm. But we're in a situation now where if you really get right down to it, all the work that the college administrators, college football playoff, all the work that they put into coming up with the college football playoff as it's formatted now was for naught. The only thing that they really decided when it's all said and done is we're going to have 12 teams. Because everything that's happened since this, I'm not saying that it was within their control. I'm not saying they did a bad job. I'm just saying that as it's turned out, the last three, four years, with all this realignment now, we're right back to the point where all we've really done is decide we're going to have 12 teams. And once again, the devil's going to be in the details. And this time, this time, 
these conference commissioners and university presidents from lesser leagues, obviously lesser leagues, they're just not going to have a leg to stand on this time. And the college football community is not going to support them this time. And I don't know if that's good or not, but I do know that they're going to have to blow this thing up. Sankey's right. If they'd listen to, you know, again, I don't agree with everything Sankey does, but if they'd listen to him in all of this, I think they would get to the finish line a lot more quickly. I think he's got a good, uh, I think he's got his finger on the pulse of college football right now. Just put it that way. One of my favorite golf courses in Arkansas is the Creeks, and that's where Bobby is right now in Cape Springs on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Bobby, welcome in. You've got some thoughts on this playoff format this morning. Okay. Now, in, uh, Chuck, tell me, in the uh, format for playoffs for the National Football League or the Major League Baseball, do we always have the best teams in that sport playing in the playoffs for no, championship? But- no, but you've got a lot more balance in those leagues now than you do in college football. But 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 how many times has the wild card in in Major League Baseball won the World Series championship? Because clearly those teams weren't the best in baseball all year. We have oh, a yeah. system. We have a system that has got the best two college football teams to the national championship, really with the exception of some overrated Big 12 teams, most of the time it has been exactly right. But what everybody pined for is more teams. And frankly, what they're pining for is we don't always want to see Alabama and Georgia playing for the championship. And as you point out, we're going to have a lot of pretenders in the playoff uh, field to weed, for those teams to weed through to get to the championship. But what everybody wanted was more teams. And apparently they don't care about the caliber of those teams. You know, I think one of the things that's going to be interesting to see in the way they come up with this format is is that the thing that you do not want is for your first-round games to be ho-hum affairs. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. You know, you, you, you don't want people to, you know – Wait until the semifinals before they really sit down and watch an entire game. You may have some dud games. If you don't get this thing formatted right, if you don't find a way to at least get the bulk of the 12 best teams in the playoffs, are you kidding me? You're going to have, like, let's say the Pac-12 cobbles together what's left of the Mountain West. They still call it the Pac-12. you kidding me? You think that team's going to have a prayer? Yeah. They're going to get crushed. They're going to get beat by the third-place team in the Big Ten or the SEC. And it's not going to be entertaining television. Well, That's kind of my worry on it. And I'll tell you what else I worry about for college football, and I'll be quick here, (laughs) believe that or not. (laughs) Um, College basketball is going to become the only sport of the big three, football, basketball, and baseball, where you actually compete for a championship, East Coast, West Coast, Southern border, Northern border. Last year in college basketball, you had two teams from South Florida, one from San Diego, and one from Connecticut. The way college football is realigning itself, that has no chance to happen. The only team west of the Rockies that's got a prayer is USC, and we can debate that on a different day. College baseball, the one thing college baseball has going against it is that there are teams in certain parts of the country that because of the climate – cannot compete they can't feel they can't recruit they can't play because of the weather college football 
we are becoming a central and eastern time zone sport in terms of the dominant teams. You may have one or two from the, from the western part of the Big 12 get in every now and then, but it's not going to be very often. USC, in my judgment, is not going to win the Big 10 very often. And my point is, is college football is going to be passed by college basketball in terms of being the sport that people compete for coast to coast. I think there's a regionalization of the game that's going to be the natural result of this realignment, and I don't think that's healthy. I, can, I, I never thought I would see the time when West Coast college football would be completely irrelevant. Now, that may be fun, may be fun to dance on their grave, but it's not good for the college game. It's just not. Well, to, to that point, you haven't had a West Coast team make the college football playoffs since 2016. So I would argue you're already there. Hmm. This, this this realignment, you're already there. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, I don't – in six, seven years, you're there at that point. Yeah. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Tom Murphy, who now joins us, uh, is going to be out there at practice watching the guys in, in full pads. Tom, what is, you've done these for a number of years now. What is the main difference you've seen when they transition from just kind of shoulder pads, shorts, and t-shirt to that first full day of pads in fall camp? Morning, Ty and Tommy, Chuck. Um, 
You know, uh, I, I think I think Sam has in, instituted a level of practicing that brings physicality even to the spider pads, and then even to just shoulder pads and shorts. I mean, you know, they're they're colliding the the, the linemen, um, but yeah, you can feel it. You know, there's the thud seems to pick up just a little bit more when it's full pads. Uh, they're not going to tackle to the ground a whole lot, but um. <laughs> The older I get, the more I'm just like, oh, man, nobody get hurt. Nobody get hurt. And I, and I would say that if I was covering any team in the country's practice. But uh, football is just so physical. And when you got 300-pound, you know, five 300-pound offensive linemen hitting on three or four 300-pound defensive linemen, and then backs are trying to squeeze through there, and linebackers are filling the gaps, there's just going to be collisions and guys falling down mm-hmm. and all that. But um, to answer your question – um, I think I, I just think it's going to be spirited because they they demand that running on and off the field, guys running to the ball. I and mean, you heard Dwight McLaughlin echo what coaches tell players all the time. What he wants to get better at is when he's away from the play that he runs over and gets involved in the tackle. You never know when your hustle can result in a, a, a prevention of a touchdown or something. So if you got all eleven guys on defense doing that. Everybody hustling, that uh, improves the spirit of your practice. You, you kind of alluded to something there. Pittman's talked about the physicality and the, the up in that all offseason, spring, fall, and that's just something they've had a focus on really since the, the end of that Missouri game. How do you couple that with not suffering the injury bug? I mean, that's got to be the back of his mind. It's like we got to be physical leading up to the season, but we can't have the same decimating injuries we had last year. Uh, right. Well, you, you can't predict them. Uh, you do have to go physical. So really, um, you do hear coaches all the time, stay up, stay up, stay up because such a percentage of injuries happen when some lineman gets off balance, it gets pushed down and, and falls on someone else's leg or rolls somebody up. And, um, it's going to happen basically in every camp across the country. You just hope that a guy gets a sprain instead of a torn ligament, that kind of thing. Uh, but, but you just stay up, you, you take care of your teammates the best you can. And, um, you don't, you don't whack a guy on the sideline. I mean, a few years ago, um, I think Catalan, uh, like hurt himself hitting somebody really hard on the sideline. That's the play. Well, it wasn't that play, but, um, he knocked over that fast running back and the guy's cleat went up and hit her check on the nose. If y'all remember that play, it was a, a little bit too hard of a hit on the sideline by Catalan. And um, you just have to be smart about things like that. Tom, we've been given a peak of practice. You've gotten to see like 20 minutes. Saturday they have the first scrimmage. It's completely closed. We'll we'll hear from Sam Pittman and a couple players afterwards. How do you balance that out when you write your report for Sunday's paper? How, how do you figure <laughs> out what to report when you don't get to see? Yeah, those are tough. I mean, we try to ask them, who scored touchdown? You know, what did you do in the red zone? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Who ran the ball well? And you're just relying on what they say. And then, you know, you know maybe a reporter or two will bleed out here and there. Um, but it's always a tough thing. Um, if if the offense doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, well, hey, that's great. Your defense played better. And vice versa. If you tear them up, then you start worrying about the defense. So you just want guys on both sides to be making plays. You want people to stay healthy. Um, and after watching the uh, two-on-two the other day, when the defense, you know, really kind of ruled the day on um, the, it was in the red zone, 
you want to see a bounce back. And Kenny Guyton and the receivers we talked to, who were Armstrong and Satania, said that the offense did bounce back. They did perform well in the two minutes. So I, I don't know. I, it's just a standard thing across the country. Um, uh, how do you balance out good things on one side of the ball versus bad things on the other? Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. The coaches poll came out earlier this week. Now you vote in the AP poll. AP poll. How much do you lean or use that as a guidepost when you put your first ballot together? Well, we had to have ours submitted um, about uh, close to eight or nine days ago. Okay. So we voted before the coaches came out. All right. Um, our polls were supposed to be in, but I I don't think the polls are going to be vastly different. And you know, I think if people are honest with each other. Uh, they look at the other poll, and if somebody has Penn State down around 10 or 11 and, and the coaches have them at 5, then I think, you know, the AP voters will go, hmm, what do the coaches know? And pay more attention, and, you know, if Penn State gets a big win, things tend to level out. There's always going to be a few outlier uh, schools and voters. I think there's some AP voters who love the, um, the criticisms and, and people calling them out. Because uh, there's a few across the country, year year after year, who have outlier schools, and they'll they'll vote somebody way up that everybody else has down, and things like that. So, Tom, the question I would pose off that: if AP voters are potentially taking stock in the coaches having teams certain spaces, should Arkansas fans take any stock in the fact that they weren't in the coaches' top twenty-five? Um, well, if you mean that they won't be in the AP poll, probably so. Um, there, there's a few voters across the country. You, you see who really, you know, you, they like Sam Pittman. They like what he's done. The fact that KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders make a great one too, you know, with a decent number of returning starters, uh, up front, uh, that they might consider Arkansas. I certainly considered Arkansas. And when, um, when the poll comes out, if you want to ask me on Tuesday, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, but um, there's going to be a, a goodly number of SEC teams. S- LSU and um, Georgia and Alabama will probably be all top five, six, seven. And, and then you're going to see Tennessee probably, uh, the lingering effects from last year in the poll. And uh, Texas A&M, I believe, was 25. And um, they have a chance, I would think, to be in the AP poll as well. With LSU, Tom, Tommy and I voted them in the West to win at SEC Media Days. Are, are we and so many others putting too much faith into Brian Kelly in year two? Because some people think they're very overrated heading into this year. Well, everybody's opinion is, is fair play right now before there's been one game. I voted for LSU number one in the West as well. They have a returning quarterback in Jaden Daniels. When you look at their skill players, they're loaded at receiver. Uh, they get the D tackle back who uh, is a difference maker to, to pair with, um, um, oh, oh, is it, I think it's Wingo. Kai Wingo, yeah. Up, yeah, up front. And so their D tackles are going to be legit. Uh, you know they're going to have speed and all that in the secondary. And if Brian Kelly led them to the uh, SEC championship game in his first year, why couldn't he do it in his second year? I mean, I'm, I'm not putting – the Brian Kelly component to this is he's a really good coach. He has great talent. They they overcame a uh, loss to Florida State that could have set some teams back and got better and better. Now, they had some eye-opening losses. The Tennessee loss was, wow, how did that happen? And then they lost at the end to A&M. So they're capable of basically laying an egg. But but they got up, and they beat Bama. They survived this, this game in Arkansas with 
you know, cold weather conditions, out of their element. Um, KJ is out of the game, and they just had a a really good defensive game plan, and and they won this game. But uh, Alabama will probably be very much gunning to get back to the top and beating LSU. But um, I thought with the amount of returning talent they had, and I don't see that Brian Kelly is a step down from a top-tier coach, that they should compete. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. All right, so you got the scrimmage this weekend. Uh, you got one the following weekend. What what are you expecting or, or wanting to see out of camp over these next couple of weeks as they move closer to what will be game prep week coming up in about ten days? Well, this is probably right out of the Sam Pittman playbook. Stay healthy. That's a number one, man. Keep all your key dudes healthy, um, and then just um, you know uh, make sure you you determine. Uh, your cover corners, and then he's hinted at this, and so did uh, Darren Wilson, who possibly could move over to the nickel. Jalen Lewis is your starting nickel right now. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, we've seen him make some plays out here. And, and just like any co- corner or cover guy, make plays, give up plays. Uh, but do they want a more veteran guy? So I think they would love to see Snacks Johnson move over to, to nickel if they can do it. But that would mean Jaheim Singletary, or Jalen Braxton, um, you know, wins a starting job at the other corner. Um, yeah, you want to see uh, the, the offensive tackles continue to get better and, you know, show the physicality and the, the pass-blocking agility you need. Um, I, I would say those are the primary things. Find, find your, your corners and then your nickel. Get better at safety and make sure those offensive tackles are playing the way you want Tom, we'll leave it there this morning, man. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll recap everything from this weekend on Tuesday, okay? All right, sounds like a plan. See you. All right, Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty-Daniel Highline. Chuck, I thought it was interesting there that they had their ballots in eight days ago. It hadn't come out yet what the AP poll is, but uh, I guess that answers that question. Did you peek at the other poll? Yeah, and, you know, I guess, you know, again, as he said, don't expect one to look all that much different from the other, and it's just all part of a summer of consensus building. It starts at the end of the season with the way too early top 25, mm-hmm. and it builds from there. And that's just, you know, um, we'll look at the preseason poll at the end of the year, particularly if our team does better than predicted. That's when it's fun. It's fun to go back and look at who doubted you and all that stuff. and Or... If a team you don't like is picked highly and then they crash and burn, it's fun to talk about that. But other than that, uh, the preseason poll is probably not going to be talked about all that much after you get through the first or second week. You know, Chuck, you talk about tradition there. Tommy, you mentioned, I think, earlier this week, Dylan back in football practice. Schools across Arkansas and high schools, middle schools, elementaries will be resuming soon. Colleges already started their movement. Did you guys like, after summer, going back to school, or you just – dreading the days of having to actually get kind of get back in the swing of things i didn't mind going to school i didn't want to go to class i, mean, ah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to have all the work that came along with it the social idea. i want to see everybody but I, I didn't want to do any of the work i think in elementary i liked going back to school middle school i hated to go back to school and then high school i kind of got back in the swing of enjoying go back to high school chuck it's different now. I mean, you know, back when uh, back when I was in school time, we walked <laughs> ten miles uphill in the snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we didn't start school until after Labor Day. You know, this idea of August school when I was growing up, we didn't go to school in August. 
You started right after Labor Day, in part because the vast majority of high schools, including the one I attended, was on air conditioned. And so uh, the idea that, I mean, let me tell you something. You went back to school even in September. It was hot. Yeah. So I don't think anybody looked forward to that, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Watch list season continues for Razorback football as Rocket Sanders has been named to the Doak Walker Award watch list. I expect him to be a finalist come season's end. Uh, last year at 10 touchdowns, over 1,400 yards, fourth most in single season school history. Guys, we've talked about how Rocket's going to be a big part of this football team, and he's definitely got a lot of the national attention heading into this fall. About this a minute ago, the people around the country that – are looking at Arkansas and wondering if they may be better than the forecast calls for. I think Rocket and KJ are the ones that they point to mm-hmm. as the uh, as the reason why. It's hard to crack that finals list on the Doak Walker. There's a lot of good running backs out there. Uh, to be on the watch list is an honor. And uh, obviously the kind of season he had is going to dictate, you know, they're going to make a couple of cuts along the way and the season will dictate whether or not he makes those cuts. I asked Rocket at SEC Media Days if he'd gotten a chance to talk with Darren McFadden lately, and he said yes, and he just said, keep doing what you're doing. It's pretty pretty blunt, just keep doing what you're doing. If Rocket keeps doing what they're doing, then there's a good chance he could possibly end up there. Blake Corm's a name, kid from Ole Miss, Quinshot Judkins. There's a few others out there, but hopefully we'll see him at the Home Depot college football awards all right keep it going here on your hog update no practice yesterday the guys were off we're going to get a chance again full pads as we were talking about later on a little after nine and then sam Pittman's going to be with a few players a little after 11 o'clock sam's tommy it seems like sam from the now some coaches will be ticked off after practice but based on some of the comments he's made he's been pretty satisfied to this point early in fall camp well, and, you know, I think he values physicality. I think this is his favorite day because now we get to put the pads on and really get after it. I think I think because he likes toughness and physicality, he's he's going to be grinning about just getting out there today when they can really do what they're supposed to do. Well, I'll bet there's 100 guys out there that see a little bit different personality from their yeah. head coach than maybe what we see <laughs> in the post-practice uh, press conference. Look, here's the thing. And, and and I'm not knocking them for doing it. They do this everywhere now. This is how it how it's done in the modern era. Um, you can be a head coach and, you know, you can rant and rave for two hours on the practice field and we didn't do anything right and every player's sorry and, you know, um, but you get to the post-game press conference and if nobody saw it, 
You can frame it however you want. Mm-hmm. By the same token, you could have a good practice. Some coaches like to kick them while they're up. You know, when they have a good practice, that's when you really get on them because no matter what you say, they're still going to feel good. It's kind of like winning a ball game. You can ride them hard after a win because it doesn't matter. They're happy. And um, so I would imagine that the personality is very different in practice than what it is post-practice, but I agree with you. He, he handles himself very well. Uh, he's articulate. He's well-spoken. Um, answers a good question with a good answer. One thing I've discovered about coaches, you ask a good question, get a good answer. Ask a bad question, and there are a lot of them, you get a lot of bad answers. And um, Pittman, you ask him a good question, and he'll, he'll give you a solid answer if you listen to him. Yeah. You know, and August has changed over the last 20 years for sure. And last 10, I mean, usually you bring the, the, the players in. They'd be a big deal. Remember, Chuck, when he's a big deal the day they reported? You know, because that was the day oh, they yeah. came back. And then they, they were there to get in shape for the first couple of weeks. They'd run them to death to get 10 or 15 pounds off or whatever, get them conditioned. They don't have to do that anymore. I mean, it's just the, the nature of the camp tie has changed so much. I don't know, 15, 20 years, is that about the right timeline, Chuck? That's why you don't have two-a-days. You really don't need them anymore. From a conditioning standpoint, you don't need them anymore. Now, maybe from a rep standpoint, you'd like to have it, but from a conditioning standpoint, you don't. I remember you'd watch on TV when when I was growing up, and they'd have video of the players – Moving in and unpacking their truck or what? I mean, it's a big deal. Like August first, when that when the players reported, it's it's not even a it's not even a note now. Sam Pittman mentioned earlier this week or maybe it was last week that uh, there was even three a days that he went through as a as a coach at oh, one yeah. point, which yeah. is just uh, it's again gone by the wayside because football's a not that it wasn't a year round sport before, but it's just a little different now. <laughs> Well, they were not on, uh, you know, some of the old-timers could probably fill us all in on the details, but I don't think these guys had scholarship money um, 12 months out of the year back then, like they do now. Um, there certainly, certainly, certainly was an NIL. What you hoped, I'm sure, back in the old days, because I've heard them talk about it, you hoped that kids would go home, haul hay in the summer, make some money, and come back in shape. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that happened. Back in the day, most of your team was farm boys from eastern Arkansas. So, um, you know, back then you could, um, you know, you could count on a good number of them coming in in shape. Now, I mean, if you're not in shape, if you've not gone through the summer workouts, if you've not been there, you're, you're not even going to be on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean you're going to start at the bottom is what I'm saying. Tommy, when I report back on Monday, I'm not going to be in shape. I'm going to well, be bloated. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be out of shape, out of whack. Me and Chuck bit. are going to weigh you in on Monday morning, as opposed to today yeah. when you're, uh, you know, athletic. Yeah. And I think what he's, thank you, Chuck. I think what he says is he's going to be well hydrated for the weekend. I think is what he's trying to say, Chuck. Well, what are you not, doing this weekend, Ty? What are you doing? Going to Charleston, Charleston, Arkansas, Chuck, for the weekend. Really? No, Charleston, okay. South Carolina. Well, good for you. No. I hope you have a great time. Yeah. Thanks, man. We got a wedding. Is that the story? Uh, bachelor trips. Bachelor so party. Prior oh, to man. the, the you wedding. know, bachelor parties are three, four day events now. You know, when I was young and in that, you know, getting married stage, and my peers were as well. You had a bachelor party on that night, mm-hmm. and you went to wherever you were going to go, and when you went home, it was over. Now you got to rent a house. You got to fly your buddies in. Got to stick around for three or four days. Um, well, we got right? birthday months now, Chuck. I mean, we got birthday well, weeks and months and all sorts of unbelievable. stuff. Unbelievable. You know. But gender but it reveals. Like you've got a weekend extravaganza planned. Tommy. How many gender reveals have you been to, Chuck? I'm excited. 
I have not been. I've told you this. I have still yet to go to a gender reveal. You keep That's a lie. Pinning, I legitimately haven't. <laughs> you took off. Uh, you put that on a form. That's why you needed a day off is to attend a, a friend's gender reveal. Yeah. Um, no, I still haven't gone at this point, but uh, <laughs> legitimately. But that's, uh, I guess, a little different now, man. Listen, I, my generation, the men too are coddled, so I'll just uh, I'll put it bluntly. We're not as tough as, as you guys, this generation. What, what's your generation, Tommy? What are, your, what are you called? You're the smarter than you generation. <laughs> How about that? The listen to me generation. That's, that's I don't know. Exactly I don't know. Right. X, Y, I don't know. And it's one of them. So we're uh, millennials, and uh, we do disservice to our country. It's been downhill since World War II. The greatest generation. It's been downhill ever since. Let's be honest. Don't push back on yeah. that. That is your uh, hog update and bachelor trip update. Bought you by our <laughs> friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. Honestly, Chuck, you kind of uh, intrigued me with uh, the best. So what would a bachelor trip look like for a friend of Chuck Barrett? What, what was the... Well, uh, I'm 60 years old, Ty. So if one of my friends gets married, there's not going to be a bachelor party. <laughs> a little different now? I mean, if I was, you know, if I was your age, it'd be different. But, but, but I don't live in that world anymore. At Chuck's age, it's a round of golf, a few beers, and off to bed by 9 o'clock. <laughs> so if I've got a friend at 60 years old that's getting married, hey, good luck, man. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Hope it works out this time. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, third time's the charm. Well, I thought um, that the last I mean, time. That's about all you say in a situation like that. Man. I mean, you're not going to go have a bachelor party at 60? Are you kidding me? Go catch the What's that 4 o'clock buffet. Last Vegas. You know, you know that's, home by 8. You go, go watch that movie. I think it's called Last Vegas. Yeah, it's yeah. got Morgan Freeman yeah. and is it Tim Robbins. Yeah, that's a good one. Good. Hey, we uh, got a lot more people listening to this show that go to bed at 9. Yeah. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, Glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Bill Hancock is the head of the college football playoff, and he's set to retire soon. I wonder if there's one last change he makes before letting go. Now, next season, not this season, but next season will be the inaugural 12-team college football playoff. In this new format, the six highest-rated conference champions get automatic bids. The top four get a first-round buy, and the other six remaining bids are going to get filled out. Now, Greg Sankey, again, asked about this. Could there be... 
possible changes to the college football playoff. Even here in the SEC, we wanted college football to be strong nationally, and we've not seen a West of the Rockies participant in the playoff since, I believe, 2016. And so the expansion was about making sure we brought in Western football. Well, now what's happened is Western football has come into other conferences. The net of that is circumstances have changed, and I think it's wise for us to take a step back and reconsider what the format might look like given these circumstances. Chuck, you kind of made that point earlier, not knowing the uh, the outlook for USC and, and Oregon move, moving forward, who have been contenders at points for the national championship. This is going to be very interesting the next 10 years, what this looks like for the college football playoff, especially if they don't make any changes whatsoever. Oh, they're going to make changes. I mean, it's obsolete right now. It's already obsolete. You can't have you can't have six automatic bids from conferences anymore. You know, I don't think people really have paid close attention to how this thing's going to be formatted. I mean, you're going to have uh, um, you know, you're going to have some teams in there seated one through four that you know, three of them may not be as good as the fifth seed. You can't. You don't have six conferences out there right now that are worthy of an automatic bid into the twelve-team playoff, and that's what the current format calls for. And there's just not there's not six conference champions out there that are legitimate title contenders. And the four highest rated conference champions get automatic buys, which means if you've got two teams, let's say your top four teams, two from the SEC, two from the Big Ten, or maybe three from the SEC, two from the Big, you know, however it lines up. Um, if you've got one and two, Georgia and Alabama, Georgia's going to be the one seed. Alabama's going to be the five seed under the current format, and they've got to play a game. They've got to play a first-round game, whereas you could have a team from an FBS conference, not necessarily what we term a power five, but just an FBS conference. They're among the four highest rated. Well, they get a bye. You know, they get a bye. Mm-hmm. And it's not as though they're one of the four best teams in the country, just the four best teams among conference champions they automatically get a buy into that first round and and um the balance of power and this is goes back to competitive balance which i've chirped about a lot um the balance of power and the competitive balance within the current format of the playoffs obsolete the only thing we know with any certainty right now is they're going to be 12 teams and i'm not sure we're really certain of that but um everything they've done conference realignment's blown up there's nothing they can do right now until all this settles but Sankey's right they're gonna have to have this discussion and it's gonna have to happen sooner rather than later what they don't want to happen is what we saw in the national championship last year which TCU and Michigan great game right great semifinal matchup Georgia Ohio State great semifinal matchup national championship it was over in the first quarter might have been over in the first five minutes I mean they had TCU had no shot at winning that game. And I don't know how you stop Georgia at this point. It's probably going to have to be an SEC team that dethrones them. But when you have these build-up games that you're adding to, again, you're ESPN, they're contributing the revenue because they're trying to make this. You want those games to be worth it. Part of this is audiences watching throughout. And if they're if the game's over in the first quarter, then what's the point of expanding to a 12-team playoff? I mean, outside of the money, it doesn't do the audience any favors. It doesn't do college football fans any favors. So 
we all agree there's got to be modifications and changes to the current 12-team format, but when do you do it? Because if you say, well, you need to get on that immediately, well, how do we know all the change and all the fallouts happen from realignment? Great point. What if you, what if you make changes and then something else that's, that, that's significant happens? So when, when is the window? And I don't know that that's easy to answer for anybody because we don't know if all the movement's over. He said well, he, I think it's going to have to happen before the end of the calendar year 2023. I agree. I think it'll happen before the end of the calendar year. I think there's going to be, and I think there's more activity coming in realignment. I don't mm-hmm. think it's over, but I do think there's going to be um, a period there where perhaps it settles, and I think that's when we'll have the discussion about the playoff. You know how they're actually going to format it. I think what we know right now is that it's going to be different than the way it's been drawn up. I mean, there's going to be 12 teams perhaps, but everything else is going to be different because now, the the committee won't. Won't mean the, the committee itself isn't the ones that vote. I guess it's the 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 board of, of presidents and commissioners and and those that oversee the committee and that Bill Hancock answers to that will probably decide a lot of this. But they'll start having a lot of college football playoff committee activity. I guess you could say uh, late October because their first poll comes out what November first first Tuesday November or something like that. I am curious who they end up getting to replace Bill Hancock will probably be some Harvard or Ivy League grad that we've never heard of, like Charlie Baker. It'll be a TV person. Bit, that Charlie has Baker t- was a governor of a yeah. state. Charlie yeah. Baker's not but, a nobody. <laughs> but no, that's one. But again, someone that we, we as an audience have not heard of. I'm not saying Charlie Baker, but was you bring I him? I've heard of him. Have you? Well, I, I would say him, yes. 99% of our audience has not heard of Charlie I, Baker. I don't think prior. you're right, but that's beside the point. Go ahead. Prior to the the him being named head of the NCAA. But to that point, to Charlie Baker, Greg Sagan made a good point when talking with Paul Feinbaum is that Baker doesn't have any, the NCAA doesn't have any jurisdiction how this plays out with realignment stuff, right? And I thought, and I, I, I didn't, again, I wasn't too familiar with the logistical and the terms on that, but they have no say whatsoever on what the Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, SEC, Big 10 do. So I don't know, like you guys are talking about timeline, hoping it happens by 2023. What happens if someone changes their mind in 2024? Now, contracts and stuff, again, they have to be factored in all this, but what happens? What do you like mean change t- their mind? What do you mean change their Something mind? Something like a team could be headed towards the Mountain West out of the Pac-12, and they ultimately decide to go to the ACC. I mean, I, there, there's so many variables that I think have to be considered. With this, well, that's that why time. they're not going to decide it today. I, I mean, we're talking about it as, you know, it's going to come. We know that. But I don't think anybody thinks it can be done now because there's still more to come. But I don't even know if they can do it by the end of 2023 like y'all are Sure saying. they can. Sure they can. Sure they can. I, I don't know if they can do that. I mean, we're, we're in August. But I think there's August. a season, though, for this movement, Ty. I think there's a season in the calendar. And what I mean by that is, there's just certain points in the year where this kind of movement's going to happen. And we also got to remember, none of this affects this season, but you want the ground rules set at some point this year. And I agree with Chuck, it needs to be done before the games happen this year so you kind of know what the ground rules oh, are for the following I year. I don't disagree with it on that, but what I'm coming from is I don't know if they'll come to an, a mutual agreement on a decision by that point. I don't say... I'm I think dis- they will. I think they have to, and I think they know that. Um, you have to remember, all this realignment is coming, you know, we 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 use the catch-all phrase because of the money, but part of the pot at the end of the rainbow includes getting into the college football playoff, mm-hmm. and so um, that's why all these teams are moving. At least that's part of the reason why they're moving. And once everyone's in place, then they'll come up with a new format for the football playoff. 
Um, but I don't think we're going to get to the 11th hour and a team's going to move. I think there's going to be more movement, but I doubt there's a last-minute surprise because once it's all settled, you know, at that point it's done, and you come up with your football playoff format and your role. Um, will there be an adjustment five, ten years down the road? Oh, I suspect so, yes. And I think that's one of the – that's the nature of the business in a changing landscape is you've got to be ready to change your plan on the fly. The college football playoff will do that, or the committee will do that. One thing about the NCAA, and this is a lifetime misunderstanding for a lot of people, the NCAA is not a ruling body. The NCAA is made up of member institutions. Mm -hmm. The NCAA simply carries out the wishes of member institutions. There are no rules right now because member institutions have not been able to come up with a consensus on what those rules should be. That is not the NCAA as an organization's fault because member institutions make up the NCAA. And um, so I, I, I think people misunderstand that, yeah. that there's some organization out there that just rules, the NCAA just rules over the college sports. That's not true. They just carry out the wishes of the member institutions. Well, I want to play this. much like the federal government carries out the wishes of the well, people. <laughs> much, much, much like the college football playoff. Much like the college football yeah. playoff yeah. will carry out the playoff committee. Yeah. Carries out other people's wishes. They are not the end all, be all in terms of a voice. Bill Hancock said that many times. Yeah. They carry out the wishes of the member institutions, and they'll continue to do that. But there's not ever going to be, I don't think there's ever going to be one guy or one group that polices college football. The conferences have resisted that. No czar? Everybody wants a czar? I don't see much change coming yeah. down the pike, do you, even though I think they should. Do you think if um, this is a, a scenario that I don't know what percentage you put on this, do you think Nick Saban has an appetite to be in a position like this at any point when he gets done coaching, or do you think he just retires at that $17 million beach house he just bought that him and Miss Terry just bought? I mean, what, what do you envision? Could he be? He's not going to be the czar of college football. No, I'm talking about the He's next not going to college... be the commissioner of college football. Okay. That, what I, again, the I open, wish he would be, but I don't, I don't, I don't. You can't don't, see him in a role, something like no, that. What about no, you, Tommy? I think football Fuhrer uh, rolls off the tongue, maybe football a little. Fuhrer. <laughs> but uh, oh, no, he's, Tommy. he is not going to do that. So, all right, let's play this. I want to play this other clip. So when asked about, hey, the preliminary conversations with a possible change in the college football playoff, here's what Greg Sankey said. About how the bracket is seated particularly the adjustment around Notre Dame remaining as an independent, not having that, that top four seed status. Those matters need to be really dug into and understood. And to the extent we'll have clarity soon on the number of conferences, I think that can help inform our conversations. If we don't have clarity, those issues around format seeding placement of teams will be probably a bit more drawn out. So, again, he's talking That's about the timeline of yeah. what that looks like to this point. And the Notre Dame aspect is interesting because even if Notre Dame was to start the season 12-0 and next year, they would still may not be a top-four seed in the playoff. They'd be five because they're not in the conferences. And I don't know how many Notre Dame apologists we have out there, but that is something, again, <laughs> that at least he presented. Well, I got one on in the afternoon. Yeah. But, uh, but there's no doubt Notre Dame, love them or hate them, they're a linchpin. They are yes. one of the linchpin programs in this. Mm -hmm. And when and if they decide to make a move, 
um, it will obviously be well, monumental. I, I, I read an interesting article where Dan Mullen uh, talked about how if Notre Dame, if Notre Dame had picked a conference four or five years ago, a lot of this realignment might not be happening. I don't know if I agree with it or not, but he makes a pretty good point and goes on through the article. It was an interesting read, but um, Notre Dame's the linchpin. There's no doubt about this. And um, if the reports that we read are to be believed, um, they would like the ACC to, produce, uh, to pursue Stanford and Cal. Uh, SMU's trying to buy their way in, and they might be able to pull it off. Um, but, um, you know, ultimately... Um, I don't know. Uh, there's 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 a lot of different scenarios out there, but Notre Dame, without question, is a huge domino that is yet to fall. Yeah, and he mentioned Chuck just said the SMU thing real quick. So Ross Dellinger had this in Yahoo Sports. SMU is trying to join the ACC, according to his reports, by giving up five plus years of money distribution. Cal and Stanford, like you were talking about, would get about sixty to seventy percent of the share. But that's that's incredible. They've been trying to join a Power Five conference for quite some time we know what they were in the southwest conference but that's crazy to me that idea they're looking for a place to land it's yes. the same reason washington and oregon went to the big 10 for a half share they're looking for stability uh some of these schools made the move simply for money what's happening right now though is it's survival you know the 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 teams that have gotten the great deals they've already gotten them the ones that are left now are scrambling for crumbs and smu's trying to find a place to land and the only thing they've got going for them is a rich alumni base i I mean it just really is i want to apologize to the mouth who's in stuttgart this morning on the mccarty daniel hotline thank you brent for staying with us i uh lost my uh train of time track of time this morning but appreciate you hopping on with us you've got some thoughts on uh fall camp starting today with the full pads oh yeah, and while and while the mouth was on, he also had some thoughts on. Uh, I believe you said that uh, Bill Hancock is retiring. That's February twenty twenty five, if I remember that right. Hey, uh, I got a question. Why would he ever retire? Because he doesn't have to do anything. He's only on TV once a year, and he always looks like the cat that swallowed the canary. Why retire? Well, I think uh, I think he does a little more than just appearing on TV. Because he's hit his number and he's ready to yeah. quit. Yeah. Yeah. Same reason everybody retires. Come on, Chuck. You, you, Ty, and Tommy do more in a, do more in a day than Bill Hancock does in a year. <laughs> but I am. I don't know about this. that. <laughs> I, I, got I, I don't Bill Hancock. We're the hardest working men in radio. Okay, <laughs> take that as a compliment. But I am ready for this talking season to be over and for the hogs to apply the pads it's it's time for us to it's time for us to see what what will be seen and i couldn't be more ready for it while i while i was waiting for you guys i was able to have a heater and play solitaire so what more could a man want Man, that, it doesn't get much better than that. Well, Brent, we appreciate the call. I think everyone feels that same way that you do. Again, 23 days out, full pads beginning today, and we appreciate the compliment. Tommy, what does that mean, hardest working men in radio? That's still not very hardworking, is it? I mean, that's... I don't know. I've got, I've got not, sweat on my brow right now. Do you? I'm busting it over here. I don't know about you. I guess my I just... My uh, sore. Yeah. 
I guess I just need to put in more effort. I need to learn a little more from you too. Out of we'll talk about that during the break. One thing to point out about uh, college football playoff and Bill Hancock that is largely a service position. Bill Hancock's background in college administration, sports information, it's a service type position. So the idea that whoever is the president of the college football playoff is some kind of ruler over the college football playoff, that's not true. You're an administrator. Yeah. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.